0: Hey everybody! My name is Erin Rose. I am filling in for Nicole Eunice one more time. So glad to be with you guys. A little about me: I um, was a pastor for about seven years. Uh, Nicole was one of my mentor for one of my mentors for several of those years, and I'm just doing her a favor so she can catch a breather this summer. I now, I'm no longer a pastor. I'm now a real estate agent in the beautiful city of Richmond. It's a fantastic city. If you ever want to move here, I mean, email the powers that be. They'll connect you with me. (laughs) We'll talk. I'll sell you a house. Um, But in other words, I'm here to talk about the Bible. I have always loved the Bible. It's just It's such a beautiful piece of work. I mean, honestly, I was talking about the Bible with a friend of mine yesterday or two days yesterday at brunch, and I was like getting tears in my eyes because, I mean, the imagery, the symbolism, I mean, the threads that go all the way through, it's a fantastic piece of literature. So... I'm happy to do whatever I can to share some of that joy with anybody else. So some of y'all listening might be Bible nerds like me. Some of you listening might have just picked up the Bible a few days ago or a few months ago. All that is okay because the Bible has so many layers. It's like the layers of an onion. It just gets, you know, there's one layer and then there's another and then there's another and it just gets more and more oniony the deeper you go. That's how the Bible is. Except that there are infinite layers. It's just, it's so good. Okay, so we are in a series called The Questions of Jesus. And um, a few, a couple of weeks ago, I did a question, uh, Why are you so afraid? Jesus was asking that question to his friends after they were about to get tossed out of a boat during a storm. You know, basically... The takeaway was when Jesus is asking questions in scripture, pay attention. Um, A lot of times what we're going to understand about God or God's people or or God's creation is about to shift. How we understand God might be confronted or challenged in some way. So the question for this week, week two is, you don't want to leave two, do you? It's kind of like a long question, but... I'm going to read it again. You don't want to leave too, do you? So that's Jesus asking this question. Big vulnerability energy in my humble opinion, but we'll get there. So yeah, let's read through the text. So that question is in John 667. It's a part of a much larger passage. I'm going to read John 660 through John 670, but really it's dozens and dozens of verses that are leading up to this for the sake of this episode we don't have time to for me to read through all of it um but for our purposes today I'm just going to read through 10 verses and then I'll give you guys kind of some backgrounds and we'll talk about how to read through inside of the bible it'll be fun All right, let's get into God's word. John 6 60 on hearing it. Many of his disciples said, speaking about Jesus disciples on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching who can accept it. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus had known from the beginning, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them from this time. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too. Do you? Jesus asked the 12 Simon Peter answered him, Lord, so whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy one of God. And then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you the 12 yet? One of you was a devil. I'm reading verse 71 too. He met Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot who though one of the 12 was later to betray him. Okay. So I literally picked the passage with like a million, a million tidbits in it. Not, There's nothing simple in here at all. There's like so much reaching back into like the Old Testament, reaching forward to things that are going to come. But you're going to come across this in your scripture reading life where you stumble across a passage and you're just like, what the heck does this mean? I'm going to try to give you some tools to help break down and get some understanding when you come across something like this. Okay, so my advice is, When you read the Bible, read a hard copy, or if you have like an iPad and you have like one of those like $300 pens that come with it, maybe it's like $100, but you guys know what I'm saying. So you can mark on the actual text. You can, I want people to get down to the nitty gritty with their Bible. If there's something that doesn't make sense to you, put some question marks, do some underlines. If you see a word repeated over and over, why is this word repeated? It seems like it might be significant. There are going to be literary devices in scripture, just like there are literary devices in any other work of literature. Um, so for this one, we're going to keep it super basic. We're starting at verse 60. Upon hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? So let me just tell you the it that they're talking about. Basically, Jesus has been in the synagogue, teaching all day in his home da- in his hometown, and, um, you know, people are like with it. People are like, oh yeah, I remember when, you know, they know Jesus cause this is his hometown. He grew up there and you know, they're tracking with him. He's saying some really cool things, bringing up some really good tweetable quotes here and they're tracking him. But then he says some weird stuff. He starts talking about, you can't really be my disciple unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And that's where he loses them. He loses quite a few of the people who are in the crowd listening. Because it's like, I mean, can you imagine um, being in the crowd and hearing that? That's kind of like off-putting. What do you mean I have to eat your flesh and drink your blood? We're in the synagogue of the most high God. This is not other stuff. That's, you talking about cannibalism. That's what other people do. And this, And so I'm telling you, I know that. I'm not putting my own like revulsion at the content of the content onto the text. It says here in verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They, because they simply did not understand. And Jesus, he sees that they don't understand and keeps going. He says, if you think this is hard, what about when you see me ascend into heaven? Then what are you going to do? You're worried about my body, but you can't even understand the things of the spirit. If you can't understand the things of the body, they're lost. People are confused. And then it says in verse 66 from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They left. They said, what in the world? I'm out of here. This is Jesus who was on. I mean, at this point, his ministry is ascending, he's on the way up. He's on the way up. But Jesus started talking beyond the parameters of what they would have expected or known. And a lot of them could not take it when this passage is talking about the disciples, these are talking about like the actual followers of Jesus, but not just the 12 disciples. I know like in our culture in our mind, when we hear Jesus disciples, we think about the 12 bros that were with it that are named in scripture. But this passage is talking about actually followers of Jesus that were extended, that were beyond the 12. And so, but the 12 were definitely his closest allies. So Jesus looks at the 12 and it's just like, well, is y'all going to, I mean, let me know right now, basically is what he's saying. I think I'm just going to stop right there because that, that gives me a decent amount of pause. When I'm reading the scripture, I'm asking, what is this showing me about God? What is this showing me about God's people? What is this showing me about God's creation? And to me, I'm not trying to put my 21st century sensibilities on there, but this feels vulnerable for Jesus to ask. Because I think across cultures and across time, rejection is real. It's a very real thing. And even later on in scripture, we know that um, Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. So rejection was definitely a part of Jesus's life and ministry. And this is a really big example of that. So I'm reading this and I'm like, Jesus, this seems very tender. Like people left because of what you said, because not only because of what you said, when they were kind of asking questions about it, you doubled down and rebuked them. So, you know, what's going on here, Jesus, it seems like it could be, you know, some vulnerability, maybe some frustration on Jesus's part. So then he turns to the people that's supposed to be his bros, his very close friends and said, well, are y'all going to leave too? Because everybody else act like they have no understanding, like they like they're like, they're not allowing the spirit of God to speak to, uh, to, um, accept me, which is what he says in verse 65. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. So then Simon Peter, which is, you know, Jesus's boy, outspoken one. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy one of God. So I I just really like this, this exchange, this interchange between these two men where Jesus is either expressing some vulnerability and or some, a level of challenge to his closest partners and Peter's response where it just feels like Peter feels that role of support, that role of brotherhood, that role of camaraderie. He's acknowledging Jesus's superiority. Jesus is the sent one of God. Like he's, he's putting him above himself. But it really does seem like Peter is playing the role of like, bro, don't worry. We got you like we're not going anywhere else. We've left everything. We're here to follow you. We've known and we've seen up until this point that your words have life and something is showing us the father is revealing to us. The father is helping us to understand that what you're saying, even though we don't understand it right now, it something greater is attached to it. To me, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, that's what I'm reading Peter Express. And then so Jesus goes on. I've chosen you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil. He's talking about Judas, um, who was later to betray him. One question I'm asking myself is like, what does this text mean? When Jesus is saying like, do you want to leave too? What does Jesus say? I mean, what's going on here? And I mean, I don't want to put my own meaning onto the text, which means eisege. I don't want to eisege the text, but I want to exege. I want to pull meaning out. And I really feel like this is a testament to the humanness, the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was, has observed. People who were his disciples, it said these people were his disciples, followers of Jesus, they were with him and then they left. And so he turned around to the other ones that were supposed to be really close and said, Are y'all going to leave too? That is a very human thing to just want to shore up what's going on, to want to, or to challenge, or to express hurt in a way like that feels very human. Um, But we also know from the other side, Jesus is going to say some stuff that it's going to be tough to hear. It's going to be hard to hear the, what Jesus was talking about. I, y'all go back and read John's chapter six, the stuff, and think about how you would hear it. If you didn't know about communion or if you didn't know about like how Jesus dies and is resurrected and all of that. Think about, you're just hearing this for the first time this guy is saying he's the son of God. Um, he said from God, but he's also saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's bizarre. It's crazy. It's weird. It's very hard. It's very. So you're going to have what I like to call a, a moment of pause. Like, so I think that there's going to be time at times in our lives when we're confronted with what Jesus wants us to know or what Jesus wants us to do or what obedience looks like. And it won't make any sense to us, honestly. And I think that what we can glean from this is to go off of Peter's example and just stay and listen, keep watching, keep watching, keep waiting, keep listening and tell the truth. Like tell the Lord, look, (laughs) look, I don't know what you got planned here, but you're the quarterback. You're the quarterback. Go ahead and call the play. I think that that's, I mean, that's what I'm taking from it. I would love to know what y'all are taking from it. Honestly, it feels like from this exchange with Jesus asking this question, are you going to leave to exposing a level of vulnerability? And then Peter coming and saying, we're not going nowhere. We're staying here because what we've seen up until this point shows that you have the words of life. So we're gonna wait a little bit while longer with you. We're gonna stay stay right with you because we're all in. There's going. To, I believe there will come a point in all of our lives where we have to decide: Are we all in, or are we not? There's so many nuggets in this, and it's like either for this passage you spend like 15 minutes or like three hours and 45 minutes. I chose the 15 minute route. Um, but I'm really hopeful and praying that each of you digs into God's word. Don't be afraid when you come across something that does not make any sense to you or challenges what you think you know about God. That's good. That's the good stuff because God is always deconstructing what we conceive of him and reconstructing something beautiful. And the best way God does that is through his word, at least in my experience. So my prayer for you is that you just would keep diving in and uh, you would just glean more and more and more from God's Word. It's amazing. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site, in today's show notes.